You know, guys, when you get to be our age, finding the motivation to get back in shape can be hard. It's just plain tough to find a routine and to stick with it. Good news. FitBod is a fitness app that is anything but routine. It tailors your workouts to fit your life, your goals, your gear, and even your schedule, so you can avoid burnout. And FitBod helps keep up your momentum by mixing in different exercises, reps, supersets, and circuits. Best yet, FitBod has over 1,000 demonstration videos, so you can learn the right way to do each exercise. It's time to ditch the boring routines and kickstart your fitness journey. Add FitBod to your workout essentials. Join today to get your personalized workout plan. Get 25% off your subscription or try the app for free at fitbod.me slash Zabe. That's F-I-T-B-O-D dot M-E slash Zabe. Today on the ZabeCast, it was supposed to be the most glorious day of the year for us golf fans. Thursday at the Masters. Oh, well, I'll look back at the foremost electrifying moments in my lifetime at Augusta, and Ron Thomas will geek out with me. Nick Saban finally has email. There's a high-tech toilet with anal recognition, and there shall be no gambling on elections in this state. Your daily Kickstarter of Uncensored Me is locked and loaded, so buckle up, and let's go! Here we go! Thursday, April 9th, 2020. Thank you for joining me. Good morning, my neighbors! Yes! Yes! You too! And thanks to somebody who is a big Office fan, they say, oh, you want to know when the lockdown is over? I'll tell you when. Yeah, sure. This day will come. It's just a matter of time. Could be one month. Could be two months. Three months. Could be. Four months. I see that happening. Yes. Eight months. That's a realistic timeline. Eleven months. Perhaps. Okay, wait. Now really think hard about this one. One year. I could see that as a very real possibility. Yeah, I know. It would be funny if it weren't so devastating to all of America and the economy, but we're going to leave that alone for the moment. Good news, believe it or not, out of the coronavirus shutdown, and it's a small bit of good news, but there's some good news, the Chicago Animal Shelters, the CACC, that would be the Chicago Area Animal Control or whatever they call it, says for the first time ever, they're out of adoptable dogs. That's right. The last two adoptable dogs, Penn and Allie, were adopted on Sunday, and they say right now, we have no dogs ready to adopt. This is the first time ever we have done this. We are amazed at the outpouring of people wanting to help during this time. Of course, this is the perfect time to adopt a dog because you're quarantined at home with the dog. You can help train them and acclimate them and tend to them and everything else. So that's a great thing. A lot of good boys and good girls are going to find their permanent homes, and that is a beautiful thing. Meanwhile, the Atlanta Falcons have new uniforms. Are they beautiful or are they awful? I don't know, but apparently they look just like the uniforms in the Longest Yard remake involving Adam Sandler, and they are getting roasted. 
Atlanta is uh, for them. They have one thing which is unique, I think, to NFL jerseys at this point. They have an ATL three-letter mark above the numbers on the front chest plate of the uniform. I'm not sure there's another NFL team that has done that, but it's unique. Some Redskins fans have said, uh, why don't the Redskins put DMV? You know, District, Maryland, Virginia. The problem is DMV is not as well known as ATL. It doesn't stand for an airport code. There is no real cachet to it. And if you're a fan of the Redskins being Washington, you don't want Maryland or Virginia in there, which is part of the DMV. And the DMV, for most people, is like, what, the Department of Motor Vehicles? So I would reject that. Also, the Atlanta Falcons have one uniform. It's one of their alternates. That is a gradient uniform, meaning the top, they got black pants and then they've got a top, which is red, but the bottom part of the red jersey top is black and it slowly transitions into red as a gradient. How about no Atlanta on that one? Meanwhile, Nick Saban has caved in during this coronavirus lockdown, and he's gotten himself an email account. You heard me right, an email account. Joey Molinaro, the number one Nick Saban and Southern football coach impersonator, has already put out a video of what that must have sounded like. All right. What better time than now to do this? I, what do I want my email address to be? Uh, Saban says, oh wait, Coach Saban at <laughs> Yahoo or Gmail? Why do they call it Gmail if it's an email? That don't make any sense. All right, I'm All trying right. to get this done as quickly as I can. All right, what do I want my password to be? Football. What do you mean it's too easy? Football <laughs> one. There must be a different character. What do they mean a different character? I'm typing in a password. What do they want? How about... Uh, LSU sucks 07. <laughs> oh, they won the national title in 07. I'm better than Coach. Now I'm just being silly. Now, <laughs> don't have time for it. Got focus. Am I a robot? What does it mean to ask me if I'm a robot? Would a robot <laughs> fill this out? The robot, what are the robots? The computer. Now, they're asking me what, how many trains are on these pictures. What what does that have to do with my email? How many cars and stop the cars and the picture with the stoplight? All All these things that I have to do. I'm trying to run a program. I'm trying to recruit kids via uh, the the Facebook or whatever it is, and they want me to be answering these kind of questions, thinking I'm a robot. I'm gonna do this password thing one more time, and if it does it again, I'm I'm done. I'm done. That's not the correct. I just. <laughs> he does a good saving. I would have liked a few more. All right, in there. That'd be good. People are joking about Augusta National in the fall and what their menu selections might look like at the Masters. Uh, they've got pumpkin spice egg salad, pumpkin spice pimento cheese, pumpkin spice barbecue, candy, uh, pumpkin spice chips, pumpkin spice seeds and crackers. <laughs> Pumpkin spice cookies. You know who hates pumpkin spice more than communism, dictators, and bad breath? Paul Charchian. I sent him that mocked up uh, fall selection at the Masters, and he said, death, kill it with fire. 
And then there's this. Wimbledon reportedly had been paying $2 million a year for pandemic insurance for the last 17 years. So when this year a pandemic came along, you can't blame Wimbledon for saying, cha-ching, our bet has finally paid off. Reportedly, Wimbledon will receive $141 million from the policy after dumping $34 million into it for the last 34 years. I believe the Royal Nation has had a similar situation, and so that's why it's easy for them, or easier for them, to go ahead and pull the plug on this year's event. Uh, Appearing on the Pat McAfee Show, Peter King said the Dolphins should offer the Bengals not one, not two, not three, but four first-round picks for Joe Burrow. I don't even want to listen to the soundbite. I don't care to hear it. It sounds totally Peter King-ish. This is why, while wildly entertaining Peter King may be in his writings about the NFL and certainly connected in a certain sense that he is, he can't be taken seriously. Four number ones for Joe Burrow if you're the Miami Dolphins. How about no? Steel Tiger says to me, regarding your criticisms of the accuracy or sophistication of eye racing. By the way, let me just clarify. I said, I don't know how people say, oh, it's super complicated. If you were to get in that thing, you'd finish last. Okay. And I just wanted to know what was so complicated about driving a simulated NASCAR car in eye racing. And people filled me in saying they do have variables like rubber buildup on the track and uh, other things that you can adjust. But Steel Tiger says, Zabe, I'm behind on my podcast. I listened to your discussion on iRacing, and you're right. It's not realistic. I watched the Jose F. Newgarden live feed of the iRace Indy 250. He commented on how in an actual race, cars couldn't run the high line like they did in the game. Also, he says, in these iRace simulations, they are not letting the drivers adjust the cars to their personal suspension preferences, which I think is a mistake. But they're actually racing for some nominal prize money. People are betting on these iRaces, and the drivers, for the most part, are taking it seriously. So there's that. And then there's this. Scientists are working on butt recognition for a high-tech toilet that could keep you apprised of minute details in your potential health profile. That's right, it's a high-tech toilet that will basically measure feces every time you one out to detect for, you know, bad things in your stool sample, you know, like cancer and stuff like that. But the key part of the toilet they're working on is butt recognition technology, meaning how do they know it's your ass that's putting that poo in the bowl? Well, they could do a fingerprint scanner on the flusher, but that can be you know, worked around or can, not that you would try to trick your own high-tech toilet, but they said there's actually an anal footprint for everybody. And I would imagine if you put a camera under there and it scanned your butt and that balloon knot, I know, it's gross, that it would say, oh, no, that's definitely your ass. That's definitely your sphincter there that I'm looking at. And that is the shape of your ass right there. Mm Mm-hmm. High-tech toilets. We call that a super first-world problem. I've had golf friends say to me, don't ever play the haunted Augusta theme again. 
Well, here I am, playing it one more time, because we are going to celebrate the Masters, even though this morning we will not have the traditional champions first tee shots. We'll have to wait until the fall for that, but we got John Ronis and Ron Gu- John Ronis and Ron Gould? What's wrong with me? <laughs> Ron Thomas and John Ronis from the Capital Golf Gang joining me by phone. Have you guys heard this before, the haunted Augusta theme? I haven't, but as soon as you started playing it, I thought something was wrong with your computer. It's spooky, isn't it? Yeah, I've never heard it. What do you think, Ron? I like it. I just... I'm just bummed out. Yeah, I'm bummed out too. Yeah. I find myself bouncing through all the Kubler Ross stages of grief all over again. I think I've finally made it to that acceptance phase, and then it's like you hit a shoot in shoots and ladders, and you're right yeah. back to square one, and you are super hot pissed yep. at everything. But, but they are going to have it in November, so we've got that to look forward to. Let's cross our fingers. Yeah, exactly. All right, so I'm going to let you guys have a comment on the Masters, uh, open-ended comment, and I'm going to walk through. I've got my four most electrifying moments in Masters history, my my personal favorites. There's going to be some of you, how can you leave this out? I've got audio of each of them, and then I want you guys to comment on it. But first, let me just give you an open-ended invite to say something about the Masters, and we'll start with you, Mr. Thomas. Your thoughts? Well, it was always, well, for so many years, it's been, you know, the kickoff to the season, to the golf season. It's kind of like, you know, as far as NASCAR goes, it's always strange that they have the Daytona 500 that opens up their season. But there's nothing strange about the Masters opening up the season. I mean, my goodness, all I do, if I look at an azalea bush, my immediate (laughs) thought is the Masters. Yeah. If I look at a beautiful pond. My immediate thought is at the Masters. Or if I look at a beautiful loblolly pine, anywhere I am, doesn't matter. I could be in Pinehurst. Instead of thinking about Pinehurst, I think about Augusta. Pine needles. Um, mm. It's just, it's everything to me uh, when it comes to golf. So many memories. Um, you know, and the, and the wonderful thing is about the Masters is everybody watches the Masters. I mean, my goodness, I can always count on talking to my mother on Sunday, Master Sunday, and my father, both um, mom and dad, not golfers, but for sure they'll say, we're ready for the Masters. Yeah. And it's it just crosses all boundaries, borders, and uh, it unifies and unites. Because it's that special. Because it's that special. Mr. Ronis, your thoughts? Yeah, to me, the Masters one is a place of hallowed ground as far as I'm concerned. And, and I think we've all been there. We've all been there. I've um, been there. I've never, I've never been. Oh, you haven't Ronnie that. Nope, is, I, I always claimed going. I wasn't going to go until I got an invite to play. Okay. Well, I'm going to invite you <laughs> and um, to play. we're not going to play. Does the mid am does the mid am champ get an invite? Absolutely. Well, yeah. there you go, Ron. Yeah. There's your ticket. I know. As your ticket. No. <laughs> I might have to give you another ticket before that. But so the the Masters, when you walk, I compare it to Dorothy opening the door to Munchkinland. You walk in there and it's just a different shine. And it is a, a very, I, I can't even describe it. it. It's a holy place for golfers. I don't want to get crazy with that. But 
when you walk through there, you just feel the ooze of history and the the respect that the game of golf has been shown at Augusta and the and the, the beginnings with Bobby Jones and how the tournament has evolved and how it's overcome some of its difficulties and how it's just a beacon of light for the start of the golf season and the major that it represents. And I truly believe the greatest moments in golf history have occurred at Augusta. And when you walk those grounds, you just feel it under your feet. It's this very, very special place. Um, yeah. Unless you're Greg Norman, then it's not. That well, that's why I was, no, it was a very special moment. Well, then it's the haunted ground. Is what <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was a special moment. That was great. It was 86. So <laughs> I won. I look at Augusta boys and I look at the masters as the personification of perfection in sports. And that perfection in sports is something that every athlete and every team reaches for. And they dig deep to try to gain it. But perfection, you can only jump up and most people can only jump up and maybe graze their fingers at the underbelly of perfection. But what the masters has done is they have grabbed perfection they have taken it down off the highest shelf of awesomeness and they have put it on their back like a coat and said, this fits just nice. And they've done it because they have said no to certain things that all others would never say no to, whether it's the gouging of the prices or the widening of the field to include more players or this or that or the other. The Masters has known all along when and where to say no to preserve the integrity of what they do, and therefore they are the embodiment of sporting perfection every spring. And have also not just stayed there and kept everything the same. They have evolved with right. the game. Right. They the don't say no to everything. The they have done some yeah. wonderful things. I mean, the, the bringing Billy Payne bringing ESPN into the fold and letting them do – the par three tournament on Wednesday and having total run of the place with their analysts and anchors and doing sports center updates was brilliant. ESPN is the show for sports in America. And they did it while at the same time telling ESPN, don't let Berman in the door. We don't want him. (laughs) That is awesome right there. That is some visionary stuff. The drive chip and putt, which I missed dearly last Sunday, the, women's you know amateur tournament which i loved last year hurts that it is canceled for this year will not be held in the fall when the tournament is expected to go off but these are great sensible additions and the biggest thing was when martha burke came in as an opportunist they said okay we're going to clear the decks we're going to tell our sponsors to go away we went two years two years without sponsors for this tournament foregoing a shit ton of money right ron yes and they did yep. it because they said, excuse me, ExxonMobil, excuse me, IBM. This is not your fight. We'll handle this. Yeah. And so they did it by ignoring the problem, not accentuating it, not attacking it. Right. They just simply ignored it. And it went away. And I'm you know, whether you like that fight or not, that was their decision to just ignore the situation and let the patrons and the viewers decide if it was an important right. but, thing. But then they did. But then when it was time for them to make a paramount move, what do they do? Not only do they admit a and a woman as a member, but a black woman as a member. A black conservative 
woman. A black conservative woman. That's right. Condoleezza Rice. Which had to send Martha Burke and her uh, crowd (laughs) into a tailspin of, that's not who we wanted. But they they were very smart in doing it. Okay, so all that said, let's get to the moments that have made the Masters, and let's get to the heart of it right away. Jack Nicklaus on 16 on Sunday in 1986. I'm going to play the audio, and I want you guys to call out stop when you feel like you need to comment, okay? It's about a minute 58, all right? All right? Yes. No, play it. <laughs> okay, here we go. I mean, I'm not interrupting. John, are you going to interrupt? I'm yeah, not going to interrupt. Might. Okay, here we go. I, I might interrupt. No, just play it. Okay. We'll go forward to the 16th. The great Ben Wright, Jack by the Nicholas way. Nicholas knowing he must continue the charge. A young gymnast. I'm already interrupting. A young gymnast. Right. You're young, better at it than us. That's right. Yeah, a right. young a young gymnast <laughs> who just happened to have been given the plum assignment, boys, of 16. 16 is the beating heart. It's the epicenter oh, of the property, <laughs> as you know, uh, Mr. Yeah. Ronis. And it's the beating heart of the entire tournament. And young Jim Nance out of Houston, Texas is on that hole. He has to figure that Ballesteros will make at least birdie back at 15. If anyone has ever owned this hole, it would be Jack Nicholas. Yeah, you're loving it, right? By the you're way, like, it's total goosebumps. By the way, I went back and watched the, uh, the Eagle on 15 in which Ben Wright said, the battle is joined. Yeah. Nicholas, before hitting that shot and making that eagle, was sixth. Sixth. Yeah. When did when did he, he say he was four shots behind at the time? Was it was it on that hole that he uttered the words, "Many times a bear walked this back nine and next to nothing." <laughs> I don't. I don't remember <laughs> that one, but okay. That was awesome. All right. So anyway, so just remember, he was he was barely in the mix. He was sixth behind five other guys and four shots back. Ballesteros, your leader, was already through 13. Ronnie, that's the tournament's like over for Jack at this point. Yeah. Unless yep. you go eagle birdie, five guys, right. Unless I go eagle birdie birdie. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then Sevy decides to rinse one on 15. When he won his yep. first green jacket back in 1963, he did it with a birdie here at 16. And, of course, who can forget 1975, the 40-foot putt. Tom Weiskopf, what is going through Jack's mind right now? He has not experienced this kind of a streak in a long time. Now, you know the answer to this, right? <laughs> yeah, Weiskopf is screaming, crying at this point Do you, right do you know now. the answer? By the way, Weiskopf was the guy with bear tracks up his back in 75 yeah, exactly. on that putt. So do you, do you remember what Weiskopf said when Jim says, what is he thinking right now? No, no. No. If I knew the way he thought, I would have won this tournament. <laughs> That's right. Hey, is this before he hits his tee shot? Or yes. Is he... This yeah, is all. Okay. This is Ronnie, all. Okay. This is probably all. And this is the famous. The this is the famous where Jackie, his son, says, "Be good or get close." Be and enough. He says, and he says, "It is." Be enough. He says, "It is." Because <laughs> he's been to go right. get his tee. Okay. Play the thing. I will hold on, but I got to set it up though. So remember, <laughs> Nance and Weiskopf are in the tower by the green. So they're talking as they're watching Nicholas. Nicholas put his peg in the ground, set up to the ball, didn't like something at the last minute, pulled his ball and tee out, and went and looked for another spot. That gave 
both Nance and Weisskopf a little more time to set up the shot. So here we go. <laughs> uh, no, seriously, he is just going to fire this right at the pin. He's going to think, Jack, this is time right now. Make the swing that you are capable of making. Stay down, accelerate through the ball, make a good golf swing. Your destiny is right here. Listen to that strike. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. By the, the way, McGregor, how the McGregor irons? Yep, how blade of grass? How yeah. great was it that Weiskopf walked it right up to the post like a DJ? Yeah. This yeah. is your destiny. You are capable of making. Yeah. Stay yeah. down, accelerate through the ball, make a good golf swing. Your destiny is right here. <laughs> a little better than Gary McCord. It's, up here. it's right at it. Oh, oh my. I don't know who yelled, oh, Jesus, because he, <laughs> he landed it and sucked it back and missed the cup by two inches. As it settled about three feet away, Nance laid out on it as it arrived, but you could hear his voice rising. It's right on it. You know what I always loved about watching these old masters is watching the people, the the patrons, if you will. I wish that there could be a show or some sort of, you know, one show where you could get a hold of some, find some of these people that are so prevalent in the shots and ask them some of their outfits. First of all, are just classic. Say, what, what were you thinking? <laughs> you know, well, like, it was the yeah, style at thinking, the time. First of all, you're wearing your tubes. Yeah, your white tube socks pulled up, and your John McEnroe tennis shorts. But then some of them have like the visor. Yeah, the visor with like the the terry cloth on the inside, the plastic visor. So here we so go. Grass. Here's the rest of it. It's right at it. Oh my. <laughs> it's got to be one of the greatest moments in sports. Hold on. Back on the tee, he really has no idea just how close he is. Well, you know. With the flag stick right over the bunker. Jim, a lot of people don't realize the fact that Jack really doesn't see that well. He probably <laughs> has no idea really how close that ball is on the ground. And that's true. Anybody he's else? Well, he had no idea. He's colorblind. He picked up the tee. Well, that it's also colorblind, and, and that is true. You know that the hole late in the day just becomes mostly enveloped by shadows. It's the lowest point of the golf course, and so the light is not very good. And that's partly why yeah. he picked up his tee like a baller. And he said, "You know, I normally don't say things that are cocky like I did to my son Jackie. Like it is, but after <laughs> it landed close, you see Nicholas then winking at his yeah. son, and it was all caught on tape." Unbelievable. And then, of course, the famous Vern Lundquist on 17. Yes. You got to hear this one time just to hear it. This is for sole possession of the lead. Maybe. Yes, sir. <laughs> you, you have a tape there, Zabe, of someone watching it on TV. Uh, I don't know what where that audio came from. It sounds yeah. like somebody in the... In the booth had it. That was the trickiest putt on the golf course, they say, at yep. 17. Yeah. A little well, left was a or right. That was that he had with Jackie, and they were talking about uh, where it was going to break. And, and Jack said at the end, he goes, I know it looks like it's going that way, but it always goes to Ray's Creek. 
And there it was. And he, and he drained it. All right. With Elect- the putter. With the famous putter. The McGregor. The Nicholas the Mc- response. Yes. And so the guy it. couldn't keep him on the shelf afterwards. I had it. Great story. I yeah. love it. Still big it. oversized. Yeah, it was the yeah. size of six it putters. It literally ridiculous. weighed about, the, about as much as a peanut. It was so light. <laughs> it was. It was very light, but it was very big. All yeah. right. Electrifying moment number two. Who can forget this one? Tiger Woods in 2005. Again, we're on number 16. Here it comes. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. (laughs) In your life have you seen anything like that? No. No way. It was a wet dream for Nike too. Remember, I you had, could see oh, the Nike yeah. the Nike yes. logo on the ball. Yeah, <laughs> yep. like stops. Is and that you know, the honest answer? Is I had never seen anything like that before. No, no, it was incredible. Is that the most dramatic shot in golf history? For me, it is dramatic. In the way, the especially all the, the elements, aftermath. all the elements of drama. What's on yep. the line? The artistic endeavor that it was to run it up that hill and have it come back. The theatrical pause with the Nike logo <laughs> doing a bow. And, of course, the great Vern Lundquist with the perfect punctuation. Yeah. And then, yeah. Oh, and then, my word. And, and then Stevie and Tiger trying to uh, Botching to the high five. five. Yeah, they botched yeah, yeah, the yeah. high five. Well, because they were going to hit their hand because there was so much strength. You kind of you uh, inherently you miss because you know it's going to hurt. Because there's so much power and so much yeah. adrenaline. Had Stevie you know? taken off his bib at that point, Ronnie? Or <laughs> uh, with yeah. the Valvoline shirt? With the Valvoline, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. race car driver. Uh, speaking of so Stevie, it was, yeah. yeah. It was so incredible that it was almost fake. It was I like know. It was staged. Yeah. It's so remarkable. You know what it reminded me of more than anything? The uh, gopher and the blowing up the golf course right. the Shack. <laughs> it's like the crowd was so loud that the earth was shaking and the ball went in. Uh, listen, beautiful. listen to how the crowd goes silent because they think the shot has ended. <laughs> oh! I mean, listen to that. They're like, that oh, a long time. like they're this all ginned terrible. up here. It's unbelievable. Oh, my goodness. That's seven seconds, Abe. Incredible. Speaking you literally of... have to hit a perfect shot. But not only that, but under the pressure, pressure. the hands, there's not a person in the world besides Jack Nicholas, which is which is why they're arguably the two greatest. But who could ever pull that shot off? I mean, I play competitive golf. I get nervous over meaningless shit. <laughs> and this fucking guy makes it. Well, he know, makes it. And if you listen to the he pre- makes like, it. when he's over that green and he's stalking that and yeah. you hear whoever the announcer was, it might not it might have been someone in the booth talking about it, but they were talking about the angles that he was looking at and things like that. <laughs> and they just they didn't even almost understand it at first. Yeah. It's just the greatest. Speaking of uh Stevie Williams, he was on the bag <laughs> for this guy's win. Easily one of my favorite golfers because I love nice guys. And when nice guys finally get what they deserve, I'm happy. Adam Scott with a birdie from about 25 feet on 18 and a light rain 
uh, to get into a playoff with Angel Cabrera, which took several holes and ended almost in pure darkness on 11 with Stevie taking off his whole jumpsuit and making him part of the story on, on the game, you know, the, the match or the uh, tournament right. winning putt. But here was the one on 18 that prompted his incredible double fist pumping reaction. That is one of my favorite still photos of all time where he's screaming, come on, Aussie, 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 oi. Adam Scott. Yeah, maybe it's this is kind of like the golfing gods are watching this one. Fell do. He had a putt on the 72nd that ordered them to tie Ernie. This right here could be the biggest moment of his career. Adam Scott. Yes! Unreal! If only he wasn't using that broomstick. I know. <laughs> you know. No muscles weird. in his arms either when he's doing that, right? Yeah, right. You know, like, so. He's not like a perfect human stuff. He's yeah. still good, too. He's I know still he's still good. good. Yeah. Here, listen to this. Jim, did I just lip read him? He screamed, come on, Aussies. I'm sure he did. I think it was a saying. I think there's a saying called, come on, Aussies, come on which is sort of an Australian national sporting chant, you know, come on, Aussies, come on. Uh, There's also a great photo of Adam Scott putting on his green jacket in the rain, in the dark, and there's a big photographer's flash that goes off right behind him, and it illuminates him in a halo almost as if he is not from this world. It's... One of the most jaw-dropping photos ever. I love that moment. And then there's this, uh, maybe the most amazing shot to win a major championship ever. Bubba, from parts unknown in 2012, in a playoff against what me worry, Alfred E. Newman, a.k.a. Louis Oosthuizen. You know, these guys are running on extra adrenaline now, so you, you, you go at it, and then your back foot, being Bubba's left foot, could easily slip. Mind you, his feet are all over the show anyway, so forget I just said that. (laughs) (laughs) All over the show. He's like Twinkle Toes. He's on his toes and heels. So, you know, he's he's rewriting the uh, instructional book. See, see, Aldo can say that stuff. Yes. But when McCord says it, it's just, it was obnoxious. Yeah, well, six six majors. majors And it's not forced. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, the thing that made this incredible is that he's so deep in the woods, the, the fans uh, have had to part. So he's now surrounded by a tunnel of fans. And the pressure on pine straw, his ball was on pine straw and it was on part of a little bit of a dead magnolia leaf. So that thing is like a live IED, right, Ronnie, in terms about, of not yes. having it move? Try, try to yeah. hook a sand wedge 40 yards. <laughs> Yeah. It's almost impossible. It wasn't a sand wedge. It was a pitching, it was a pitching wedge from 155. Okay. Yep. Oh, was it really? Yeah. He's got a lofty club. Seriously lofted. He told me on the range he hit a wedge. Slightly helping. 176 yards on the range, so... <laughs> With a bit of dread, he might get 190. Yeah, this is 155. 
Did it hook? Oh, what a shot! Look at it. <laughs> Snap hooking on the green and incredible. Absolutely incredible. And he takes the hero walk out of the fans, the patrons, as they enclose around him. God, yep. was that un-freaking-believable. Hey, Ronis, Ronis, yeah. shot maker. Oh, pure. He doesn't know how to hit a straight ball. So good. The way yeah. he moves the ball, it's it's hard to not like him. You know, there are people say he's a yeah. dick or whatever. <laughs> I don't know that. I've never met the guy. But the way he moves the ball is so refreshing. It's so refreshing. Yeah. It's a little out of control. And this right. ball isn't hard. Isn't easy to move nowadays. That's the what they say. Him. No, but he no. can he can slice across it with the best of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will I, say I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to go. There was one shot besides Tiger's that I think I would put slightly above Bubba, but below Tiger, and that was a chip in on the eleventh hole by one. Larry. Larry, yeah. Yep, yep, Funny yep, how yep. I did not include that one. I should have. That's all right. There's so many. That was Don't against a million. Didn't Scott Hoke miss the little putt? Yeah, on 11. Remember, on on eight, 10, eight, 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 10, actually, yep. Missed a little oh, 10, tiddler yeah. on number yeah, 10. Yeah. Yep. There's a, there a photo as well of uh, Seve, who also bowed out on 10. I think it was that, might have been that year. I forget if it was another year. And they showed him walking back up the 10th fairway with his caddy alone. Oh, after losing oh. in the playoff. And I Tell thought, me how that's got to be the worst walk in golf. Oh, how does Mike How does Mike Weir win the Masters? How does uh, Trevor Immelman? There are some moments Trevor we Immelman, don't need Zach, to remember. Zach Johnson. How, I mean, how we does, don't need to remember that. Well, Zach Johnson's a, form, a multiple rider cupper. I'll give but him still, that. At least, even though but, I, he's a GGCSH, a great guy, can't stand him. Uh, how yeah. about, uh, what's his name, the goofy Brit who was dropped off the face of the earth? Who jumped up and oh, stole yeah. it from Spieth? Will- Willem, Willem, yeah, Danny Willett. Danny Willett. Yeah, Danny Willett. I mean, you know, traditionally yeah. the Masters champion is one that holds true pretty well. It's very rare. Well, you don't get it first time. Well, it's hard to get in. That's the thing. Yeah, they don't let yeah. any. And it's a small field, so you'd think that you'd get an occasional guy though that's out of the namesake that would win. But it seems like every year that first page is like you still got couples up there or something like yeah. that. It's how about longer? Quite amazing. Yeah, longer. longer yeah, yeah. You know, I, I just Robin, thought of this. What, what, Longer's got to be, bum- huh? What do you have for an- another memory? Give one memory for. Uh, my memories from when I was young just involve a lot of savvy. Just a lot okay. of savvy. Fantastic. A lot of like six irons you- bump. You know, I, my pro at home taught me six iron bumps into the hills and stuff. And he <laughs> yeah. was just such a magician. Do you I remember just, Seve and- saying Fantastica? After yes. he shot on and 13, the, the, the mics picked yeah. it up. Fantastica. Yes. <laughs> and Faldo, you know, I was an early Faldo uh, lover. I just, yeah. everybody thought oh. he was a robot. And this guy's just, he's, you know, he's doesn't talk. He's literally a robot. But I loved him. I loved the, the action, the precision, uh, the stoic, yeah, the precision. Yeah. And his tempo, his tempo was always yeah. so, so good, but you know, a great memory. I have also, uh, another GC or GG, great guy. But, can't stand uh, him. But I, I'll tell you, Kucher, what he did as an amateur there was incredible. Was so special. Pretty yeah. good. I didn't like his dad using the flag as yeah, if it was the start thick, flag for a race. But, yeah, but think about it. I, mean, I you know. Get, you're going to get caught up in the moment. Your boy, your little boy is down there. He's putting on a show. And how you about the, the Asian kid? The 14-year-old kid made the cut. 
He's yeah. nowhere to yeah. be heard of now, but yeah, he was right. hitting hybrids in from like 200 and he was hitting it like three feet. <laughs> he made the cut at 14 years old. Oh, no. You gotta be kidding me. Uh, I real. You know, two, two things that stick out to me though, in a family way are Nicholas hugging his son and putting his arm around him after he won that 86 masters. That was, you know, cause it's a lot of times it's Easter Sunday and you're, when I was little, my whole family would be watching it, and certainly in 86, because there were no other channels, and I was perched on the table ready to turn the channel because I was a remote control. And then I watched – I rewatched last year that walk the Tiger had with his son, knowing that his son really hadn't seen him win. Yeah. And them walking through that crowd and that mayhem was really something special. That was yep. pretty good stuff. It's, well, it's, it's funny. Hold on. It's funny you say that. Uh, I watched the, the replay with, with my son uh, last night or two nights. No, last night they showed it was yeah. the master's highlights or whatever. But they also showed um, the two guys. You know, they showed everybody hit it in the water. And I said, Winston, you got to watch this. You got to watch Tiger win. And you know what he said to me, though? He goes, well, the other guys kind of gave it to him, didn't they? And you know, and honestly, true words take have away never from been spoken. I know, you, but that's the thing: you stay clean and let others give it to you. Yeah. It's the yeah. nature of the game. All right, right. Exit, well, the Tiger effect. Exit so. question: Will the Masters go off in November as planned with fans? Yes or no? Yes. The answer is yes. And yeah. will it be great, meh, or suck? It'll be spectacular. Spectacular yeah. is the answer. Okay, good. That's all I wanted to hear. Yep, I Ronnie, agree. I agree. All right, Fantastic. boys. Be good. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs> Thank you. All right, thanks, Dave. See you, Ronnie. We'll end on this today. There was quite some shock that the first United States state had legalized wagering on elections. FanDuel had apparently lifted their restriction in West Virginia to allow United States wages on the election. Now, in the UK, they bet on elections all the time. Their elections, our elections, whatever elections you want. Here in the States, though, mm, still a red line for some, for many, if not all. So they had approved it briefly, and then just as soon, Secretary of State Mac Warner shut it down. Said Mr. Warner, the gambling on elections has been illegal in West Virginia since 1868. Gambling on the outcome of an election has no place in our American democracy. Not today, not tomorrow, not ever. This is a terrible idea, and I have no idea why I'm talking like a Southern gentleman. I'm from West Virginia. But let's shut this down right now and be very clear about it. Governor Jim Justice, whose family owns the Greenbrier Resort and its partner FanDuel Sportsbook, which offered the political betting line, said that, yes, they have now reversed the lottery's decision. Safe to say that political betting in West Virginia won't happen, at least not under this administration. West Virginia, where just about anything else is legal or, at worst, not frowned upon. Don't want to bet on the elections. Go figure. That'll be a wrap for today. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. Remember to download the ZabeCast app. It's absolutely free. Helps compile all your ZabeCasts in one neat place. Subscribe to Friday's edition. That way you get five days in me, not four. It's not free, but it's pretty cheap. 16 cents a day. Rate and review so our algorithmic overlords bless our crops in this podcast and hell. Tell a friend. 
who likes good stuff in their ears. Have yourself a great Thursday, and we will see you tomorrow. Whoa.